what we're doing is we're actually taking the home off of its foundation. So if you have a wood frame home on a block or cinder block foundation, we would lift the home off of that foundation. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, DJ Scruggs, and I'm flying solo today. Adam is uh, frankly rushing around working on some due diligence for one of our properties. Uh, but we will, we will uh, soldier on, and I am happy to uh, introduce our guests today, who are Jason and Peely Yarusi. Hi, guys. Hi there. Hi, DJ. How are you? I am great. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Colorado. It's a little, little on the chilly side, but we, li- we like it that, like that in December. Uh, where are you guys located? We're located in uh, Westfield, New Jersey, uh, northern New Jersey. Can you imagine it's cold here as well? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and you guys, uh, you're a husband and wife team, is that right? That's correct. And how long have you been doing real estate? It's a, a little over four years now, about five years. Uh, we've been doing real estate. Uh, we come from a, a couple of different backgrounds, but I have a family construction business that goes back about five generations. Wow. And I'm also a real estate agent. Wow. Okay. And so did you, so you were, it sounds like you were doing construction before, but then you decided you wanted to get into actual investing. Is that right? Yeah, we still actually have the family construction business going today. It's a heavy construction business where we focus on moving buildings and lifting homes. A lot of it, a lot of it has been basically relegated to uh, flood mitigation after some of the hurricanes we've had here in the last couple of years. But with that, the work is uh, very, of course, labor intensive, overhead yeah. intensive. A lot of different things that go on with that where we've spoken about it for years uh, and just we had that limiting belief that, you know, just getting real estate, just so many different things that would keep you out. And a couple of years ago, we just said, we're just going to make the jump. And we started with just a flip here in New Jersey and buying some uh, low level duplexes out of state in Indiana. And that was kind of our uh, kind of our run into just we'll say training ourselves, figuring things out and uh, yeah. taking action. And so what, Ed, so you, you started out with single family, but you also do some multifamily. Is that right? That's yes. correct. Yeah. We, uh, we closed on a 94 unit about six months ago now. Yeah. We just had our uh, six month period out in Kentucky and we have another 47 unit under contract. We just did the inspection on the other day. Terrific. So I'm definitely going to want to ask you some more about that, but I, I'm really curious about this, um, this house lifting. I mean, how, how do you do that? I mean, and how so, did you guys get into it? So I'll let, I'll let Jason explain how you actually lift a home. He's actually better at it. And then I'll, <laughs> I'll actually let you know how we use that to our advantage. Yeah, go ahead, sure. Jason. So house lifting, we, we do it for a number of different reasons. Uh, we, we've done this many years for everything from historic homes that were being saved and and you couldn't knock them down because of their their value. So they would get moved to another site uh, Mm -hmm. where they would be saved so they could do a new development from uh, property subdivisions to where a home was built um, maybe too close to a property line or there's faulty foundations where the house needed to be supported so the foundation could be corrected. But most of it today is due to the extensive flooding we had in Hurricane Sandy mm-hmm. uh, and even some before that in Hurricane Irene. We are lifting homes to new elevations so the home could 
basically hopefully regain its value, uh, not be so uh, approachable to future storms, and also keep their flood insurance at a lower level and then basically be FEMA compliant. And that's, uh, we've done about 15, 1600 homes since the storm and uh so or since hurricane sandy five years five little five yeah. over five years ago so it's been it's been pretty hectic pretty crazy uh, my father and brother basically run that side with me keep us very busy on that instance and it's uh it's a lot of fun but it's also a uh, a lot of work uh, yeah so, I, i'm just curious what i mean how much planning has to go into that and what, what's it cost to do something like that Costs can change many times. Um, you, you just there's so many different we'll say factors, and what we're doing is we're actually taking the home off of its foundation. So if you have a wood frame home on a block or cinder block foundation, we would lift the home off of that foundation, and basically, depending on the suitability of the foundation, when it was built, what code it's to, if it could sustain to have more block added to it and carry that weight then on fact we could reuse the foundation or it would be need to be completely replaced. So all in, if you were able to save on some of that and some of the mechanicals could be reused again, you could be on a low level $50,000 for one lift or you could be up to $250,000 for a full project just based on wow. how involved it is and how poor the soils is and how much work needs to happen on the house in the back end. Uh, so many different factors, but we lift homes that are made of stone made of steel made of block Jeez. made of wood it's uh <laughs> and a lot of this is i'm not going to take the credit I, I i find the work and size the work up my father and brother get the work done so, so, <laughs> so, so, wow but I, i'm just curious so like if you're going to let's say replace the foundation hmm? um do you just lift the home up and kind of keep it propped up or do you move Correct. it and fix the foundation we actually keep it on its footprint. So sometimes imagine in New Jersey, there's not so much room to operate. So we'll basically be on a tight lot. So what we do is we set steel underneath the home in a pattern that supports all the major load points and is able to create a temporary foundation. Underneath that steel, mm -hmm. we'll imagine Jenga blocks. We'll set Jenga blocks at different proportions and those uh -huh. blocks will become the basis that will be within the side of the foundation. Within those blocks, we'll set jacks and those jacks will be tied together through hoses back to a manifest and using that manifest, which we call a unified jack machine, we'll be able to gauge pressures and the pressures will be relegated to, you know, if a corner of a house weighs 10 ton, the other corner weighs 30 ton, the other weighs five and the other weighs two. Mm -hmm. We're able to relegate or basically systemize those pressures that each corner gets the exact pressure. So it's an even lifting process all throughout. We're able to keep the house composed as it goes up and we raise it 14 inches at a time and take it up. Uh, then we have to reset our fleet and we can do that to any height you want, you know, six, eight, 10, 20 feet, depending on where it needs to be uh, for the final elevation. And that's you could crazy. put a glass of water on the counter and the glass of water would still be there. Wow. The that's so cool. And so, so that's a, a good segue, Peely. You, you said that you guys use this actually as part of your investing activities? Uh, it was actually how we got into investing, actually, because the New Jersey market's kind of hard to break into. So, one way we could was I became a real estate agent. And I started looking for homes on the MLS and the homes on the MLS, of course, as we know, are market value. Mm -hmm. So I put in a lot of offers to get to get the homes that we did. But the great thing with us is to add square footage. I mean, we were talking about this before. A lot of people 
pop the top of homes, which mm-hmm. basically means they take the roof off and go up. Well, what we like to do is we like to take the entire house up. Wow. We take the entire house up, include another story and a garage. So now you have a two-story home over garage. Of course, if it's if this home is in the flood zone, that's perfect because you wouldn't you wouldn't get insurance for the garage and mm-hmm. all on your home, your livable space would be above the BFE, above the base flood elevation. So that's how we added value to our first few homes. That's and amazing. we were we were, uh, we figured out that since we could do this for less, uh, so the cost to build was less than, of course, what we could get on resale per square foot, that we could go into properties and actually be more competitive in pricing to be able to buy a property and still meet meet our returns. Just because we're able to save on the roof line and depending how strong the roof line was and other factors in there, we could reuse a lot. And then we were basically repositioning floor plans inside so we could flip flop the footprint to match with basic homeowners would be looking for first floor kitchen, et cetera, you know, second floor bedrooms. Wow. That, that's a competitive advantage I've never heard of before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you that's definitely have, started. you have a very unique uh, view um, of how to do this. And so when did you decide, you mentioned a couple of uh, multifamily deals. When did you decide to do that? And, and what was that process like? The great thing is we were actually approached by another investor who had who was invested or is investing in duplexes in Indiana and asked us if we wanted to go in with them on a couple. They were actually doing mm-hmm. single family, but they were yes. they were getting great returns in these single families and for whatever reason we just said Let's look at duplexes. Let's look at duplexes. Whatever that fact. And that was just the start of it. and then it, you know, it was, it was actually our beginning of the beginning process of thinking at economies of scale. Right. Because you have a single family home. If it's not rented, then you just you have zero returns yep. because it's just not rented. If you have a duplex, at least if one side's not rented, you still have 50 percent of your of your asset rented. It's still not amazing, but yeah. at least it's not nothing. Yes. It, Yes, and, and it's yeah, it spawned to us like, oh man, well if you could just do this with two, and trust me, like it, it was our foray into buying out of state, so we <laughs> we made so many mistakes, and mm-hmm. we just lucked out because we ended up selling these when we knew we wanted to move larger, but we brought in an area that we weren't completely familiar with. We were going on points. We did some checks and balances, and I actually had family that was about an hour and a half away, but we got lucky by the trend in the market. So you know, you got to do your due diligence. You have to find your team, make sure you have your lay of the land because street by street, you can be off a million miles you could be in the wrong school system not even know it right uh, you know you could be in a blood zone or bloodbath you know one street over from a, an area where the mailman's living so we we got lucky and we, but at least it gave us a grasp of understanding how we had to go into the next ones yes. mm-hmm. and it, it was luck in the fact that we just we took some action but going forward we realized well man if you could do this with two units what if we did this with 50 and what do you do this with hundred? And it was like, well, how do we do this with a hundred? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And then, and then of course I look at Jason, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 a hundred. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> wow. So is this just all in the, you mentioned you closed one about six months ago. Um, so is this all just in the past year that you've, you've done these larger properties? It is. Yeah. We've over, it's probably been about like, I guess about 14 months ago, really, we really started taking action on this. And what it was, was that just learning and getting our hands on as much as possible, talking to as many people as possible, surrounding ourselves with other peace, people that were like-minded in the same thing and, and just trying to understand everything, all the moving parts, enough to make us feel comfortable to take action. And 
we're still learning today. Mm-hmm. There's still so much to learn, but we just we felt that if we could get a team in place, understand you know all the valuables, understand how this point, and then we uh, syndicated on our deals. So we we wanted to know everything we could to make sure that we were making the right investment to have our partners, our investing partners, in a great environment to make an investment decision with us. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that makes total sense. I mean, you guys sort of started with one, and then you went to two, and then. And then you you decided to go big, and I mean, could you tell us? Just give us a sense of um, a couple tips. Like you mentioned, buying out of state. You know, uh, what are what's like if, if someone's thinking about doing this? What's what's one tip you can give in terms of the due diligence or uh, the buying process or building a team that that you think people should uh, should do? Sure, I- definitely boots on the ground is what I would start with. If you don't know the out-of-state, like the out-of-state properties, figure out who you know on the ground or meet people on the ground. Pick up a phone, call the local brokerages, call people, mm-hmm. start networking now. That's the first thing I would do when it comes to being out-of-state. Yeah, that's great. And that tied with, it's it has to be an area that we, we go on a couple different mm. metrics. It's got to be an area that has a MSA of 250,000 people, mm. has to have population growth, you know, and that could be that you're a 30,000 person town, but you, you have people, you know, you're surrounded by a bigger market where there's jobs. So we look for job growth, population growth, and job diversity. We don't want to be in a steel town where if the steel town, you know, the, the, right. the steel it closes up, everybody's gone. So we don't want an employer to be more than 20% of the market. It just it, That just puts us in a danger zone. So like uh, we're in Kentucky and you're in Louisville where we have FedEx, Humana, Aetna, UPS, GP, um, GE, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon's close. You got Churchill Downs, UofL. There's many different polls there where it would be hard fought for one of them to, to really tank the market if one went out. Uh, but we do want just to have steady population growth. We don't want huge jumps and huge spikes because that just leads to a huge downturn. And then to Peely's point is boots on the ground is super important. My sister lives in Louisville and uh, my best friend growing up, his family was from there. He had moved back there years ago. And, but what I did do is they don't always look at it from a real estate investment. Neither of them are in real estate. So they could tell you areas where maybe they like hanging out or like areas that are better areas, but right. if you, we're not buying in a class A area. We're buying where it's working class neighborhoods. So went on sites like Bigger Pockets and just talked to every investor, every person there, just say, hey, listen, I'm just thinking about investing here. And I, would you mind chatting about the market? And a lot of them just were open for a call because they're trying to learn too. And we can right. just find out where the path of progress is. Yeah. And so when you, when you decided to go into this too, did you guys go through any kind of an education program for the larger we stuff? We did. Yeah, we did. We we started work with some other people that were doing this on a larger scale because it, it it makes complete sense. I we, could we afford figure this out ourselves? Yeah, we could probably figure this out ourselves. But how many different detours and and side yes. roads and how much longer was going to take me? You know, are we going to five years from now? We're still trying to get there because we can't figure out this one thing that really doesn't matter. But we just or should we just see other people that are like minded people doing it? and follow the steps you're doing and have the team around me because now I can course correct quickly where if I'm just too far off base, I just say, hey, listen, guys, I I did this and I want to see your thoughts on that and they can help us course correct or make the navigation where I'm just not falling off into left field. I'm only a couple inches away. Right. 
And Why so, figure it out on your own if somebody somebody else has already done it and yep. has succeeded? Yeah, and that's that's kind of the great thing about real estate is it's been around forever, right? This yeah, isn't right. some new industry where <laughs> they're yeah. still figuring out the rules or uh, I mean, there's a lot of local issues, you know, like you mentioned economic development, but also the legal yeah. framework. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's not rocket surgery and no. there's a lot of people out there who have done it and, and want to help. Um, I, I'm just curious though, can you give me an example of maybe like one, one thing you learned that you didn't know before that has really made a difference in, in your approach? <laughs> where do you start? Yeah, where do you start? <laughs> I was just talking to someone who just cost segregation, and mm-hmm. cost segregation is a, based on your hold pattern. It's an engineering study of pushing depreciation to different categories, where instead mm-hmm. of having it um, into just a, what is it, twenty-seven and a half years for everything, well, you can push into five, fifteen, seven, five. I may be saying that wrong. Um, tax classes where a floor is not going to last for. 20, 30 years, so it can get pushed up into seven-year time frame, and it can help your cash flow on the back end. So there's a lot of different ways where you can use tax advantages to your favor with multifamily, um, and cost segregation is definitely one of them. But you need to look at what your whole strategy is, because if you're going to hold it for a year, it's probably not the best play because you're going to have to recapture all of that on the back end when you sell it. Mm-hmm. But if you're holding it for 10, 15 years, it's something you definitely want to look into. And is, is that what you guys are doing with these? Or are you looking at 10 to 15-year holds? Uh, we right now, because we are doing a syndication, we have everything into five to seven-year holds, mm-hmm. uh, but we do underwrite them to 10 with the anticipation that the market's going to turn at some point. And we're at year 10 of a seven-year cycle, so so we're due, but I'm not smart enough to know when it is. Right. So we're going we're gonna <laughs> to underwrite it out. And, and be in a safe position so we can make the right call when the right time is. So we tell our investors, we anticipate selling between year five and year seven. And with this, we have underwrote it to 10 because we're not just going to sell it at that point. Right. If the market's not dictating, that's the time. But we have underwrote it to, to year 10 just to see where it plays out from there as everything just continues to cash flow. But we are buying stabilized assets to start. We're not going out of state and, uh, and just taking something that's a hundred percent vacant and trying to right. put it back together. And that's, that's not our approach. And yeah. as we grow, I can't say it won't be down the road. I mean, I'm comfortable yeah. with construction, but, it, but I'm, that's me here in New Jersey where I'm able to touch it and understand yeah. all the moving parts where there we're relying on a property manager and that's your most important person mm-hmm. and the most important team member is the property management company because they're your boots in the ground. They're your face. They're they're the they're the ones that your tenants see. So they're basically you. They're representing you on the, on the property. So if they're not the right fit for you, you really need to make sure that that you've done that due diligence beforehand, especially if you're bringing in other people's money. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, th- this is but this is um, really good information. I mean, I'm doing multifamily, even I'm learning stuff. I mean, I've heard about cost segregation, but I haven't really spent much time learning about it. And I just made a note to myself to go learn about it. Yeah, there's a number of great guys out there. So I'm not the you know that we just leaned on a couple guys who were references from other people, and they tell you all all the advantages of how you can run your study and and just how it can help, and you can make the decision from there. And that's. Like you said, with the lawyers and, and the other points and the brokers and every market is different, you're completely right. But you, I'm not going to learn it. That's why we try and get the right team members to hopefully hopefully have the right 
the pieces in place so they can handle their role and we can deal more on finding the right properties. Well, it also goes back to what we were discussing about networking. I mean, Jason and I also run a multifamily meetup. Mm-hmm. And at one of our first meetups, this, he was a newbie investor, has never done a multifamily deal in his life. And he stands up and he gives the entire group this huge value add. He says, and we were talking about marketing. He says, why don't you go and put in, like, look at little uh, little penny savers and look for rentals and mm. call up the rentals and say, oh, you know what? I'm not looking to rent, but you're thinking about selling? Jason yeah. actually did that about a month ago. And, it ended, and the guy was like, yes, I actually am thinking about selling. Wow. You say penny yeah. savers. Are you mean like that publication that? Yeah. He, he just was like, Hey, all these mom and pop owners, like you think they're using online or maybe they're just putting in the newspaper. Cause that's what they've always done. And I was like, wow. Oh, I don't know. I was like, that's like, that's huge, man. I have no idea. And yeah. I just looked for like for rent and I was looking, I look at the address and I looked it up to see when it was apartment building. And I was like, all right, I'll try this. I called <laughs> up and I was like, Hey, and he's like, yeah, Hey, I was like, is this whatever Sal? And he's like, yeah. I was like, Hey Sal, not looking to rent, but, um, would you ever think about selling your property at you know one two three main street he was like yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> and that was for a was that that was for a multifamily for a multifamily it was 25 units and we've been negotiating back and forth on text message because he's still a little bit outside the box but it was just like yeah a crazy little point from you know just getting a bunch of people t- excited talking in the group about multifamily and uh it's been a lot of fun having these meetups wow yeah. i'm gonna get one of those right now <laughs> These yeah, people who, yeah. Crazy. I was like, it makes I was sense. Like, people who run run newspaper ads, yeah, but you it know. just goes to show, like, just network with everybody, the top performers, the new people. You mm-hmm. never know when your next idea is going to come from. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that that the guy at the meetup, you know, he had never brought a property, but it, to him, it was like, he was like, yeah, just that's why wouldn't you just call the newspaper? And I was like. <laughs> I don't know, you know, man. I I've been racking my head trying to find off market deals, but that's like the most straightforward thing, right? Like, yes, that is the best thing ever. So that's great. Well, yeah. um, so we're we're gonna wrap it up here in a second, but before I before we do, how can um, folks find you? You know, you two online. Uh sure. Uh, you can find more about us at uh, dot com. Y a r u s i holdings dot com, and uh, or reach out to Peely. P-I-L-I at com or Jason at com. Terrific. All right. Well, guys, I really appreciate your coming on and, sh- and sharing your wisdom. And um, I'm sure we'll, we'll see you down the road as you continue to build your multifamily empire. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much, DJ. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.